This morning's lesson will focus on the Bible and time. The Bible and time. Very straightforward uh, this morning, and so we'll look at three categories together. Realities, and then some responsibilities, and then some limitations of time. Realities, responsibilities, and limitations of time. Time. So let's begin with realities. That, that, what we mean by this is just the bare facts. Just the bare facts about, about time. So notice a few of these bare facts uh, with me. First of all, notice that life is a gift. Time is a gift. Time is a gift. Acts 17, 24, and 25, the Apostle Paul speaking to many folks in Athens. He says that God is Lord of heaven and earth, and it is He who gives to all life, breath, and all things. Time is a gift from God. I have learned so much in being able to be around many of you, especially at funeral times. And many of you, as you face tragedy, have remarked, well, I am thankful for the time that God has given me with my loved one. I know when, when Marcy passed away back in, way back in 2005, that one of the first words out of our mouths, out of the family's mouth, was we're thankful for the years we had with her. And that's true of every family, true of every life. Life is a gift. Time is a gift from God. A second fact, bare facts about, about time, and that is time is brief. Time is brief. We read in Job 14, 1 and 2, that man that is born of woman is a few days, few days, and full of trouble. And we remember James mentions this in James 4, 13 and 14, when he says, What is your life? It is even as a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. One of the great Psalms about time is Psalm 90. Psalm 90. If we were going to do a deep dive into God and time, we would spend a lot of time in Psalm 90, the whole chapter. But about verse 10 there in Psalm 90, we read that our years come to an end, they are soon gone, and we fly away. Mark that in your Bible, Psalm 90 and verse 10. They are soon gone, and we fly away. And this is brought home to us in a number of ways number of ways, especially again when we go to a funeral session, and we were at one in my family Friday, and you see folks there that you hadn't seen in a few years, and all of a sudden, they're no longer young, they're no longer even middle-aged, all of a sudden, they look like the grandparents you had when you were younger. And it's just a reality of life. 
they are soon gone and they pass away. Job 7 verses 6 and 7 mentions that our lives pass away as if it were a sigh. As if it was just a deep breath. A deep breath and then we are, we are soon gone. One of the movies that we watched growing as our children grew up is Anna Green Gables. Anne was adopted by some parents or some by grandparents. And during the movie, her adopted dad or granddad passes away with a heart attack. And he looks to Anne and he says, I got old and I never noticed. I got old and I never noticed. And that's the way it goes. So bare fact, number one, life Time is a gift. Secondly, time is brief. The brevity of life. Then the third bare fact is that, that, that time is uncertain. It is uncertain. We cannot, we cannot be sure of how things are going to go each day. In fact, that's what Proverbs 27 verse 1 says. Proverbs 27 verse 1. Boast not yourself of tomorrow for you, don't, you do not know what a day will bring forth. And James repeats that very phrase in James 4 and uh, verse 13 where he says, uh, Come now, you that say I'm going to go into a certain such a city and spend a year there, buy, sell, and get gain. He says, actually, you do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. So you need to say, if the Lord wills, you will do this or that. Life is so uncertain. Time is uncertain. It, there's a frailty to life. There's a frailty to time that we all must admit. And we live with this in mind. In Genesis 27 verses 1 and 2, Isaac had grown old and he was speaking to his son Esau. And he said, Esau, uh, I'm old. My eyes are dim. And I do not know the day of my death. Notice that. He says to his son, I do not now know the day of my death. Well, he's old at that time, but Isaac never really ever knew the day of his death, even when he was younger. And it seemed like he had vigor and he had life before him. Still, none of us ever know the day of our death. And so time is not only brief, but it is often uncertain. And then a fourth bare fact about time is that it is irreplaceable. It is irreplaceable. You know, we read in Hebrews 9 and 27, it is appointed that a man wants to, wants to die and after this, the judgment. There's no coming back to this earth to be able to redo life at all. And David, King David, uh, tells us about this back in 2 Samuel 12 and verse 23 where David had been praying and weeping, fasting for his little child who was sick. But the child passes on. And so David gets up, he feeds himself, and his servants begin to ask him about his change of demeanor. And David says, look, can I bring her back? Can I, can I bring the child back? I cannot bring the child back, but I can go to him. And David, from that point forward... Uh, lived in such a way to try to be able to go into eternity, not only to be with God, but to be with his little child. In 2 Samuel 14 and verse 14, a lady from Tekoa 
a lady from Tekoa said, we all must die as water that is spilled on the ground and cannot be gathered back up. And so we all must die. Once we die, we cannot be gathered back to this life. It, we are as water has been spilled on the ground. And so we see here that bare fact number four is that, that time is irreplaceable. Once it is spent, um, it, you just cannot go back and live it again. And then the fifth bare fact is we talking about, as we're talking about the realities, first of all this morning, the realities of time. A fifth bare fact is simply this, and that is that, that time is meant for preparation. The time that we have is meant to prepare for Judgment Day and to prepare for the ultimate time that we'll spend in eternity uh, beyond this life. Okay. We're just passing through this life. This life is just a time of passing through. This is a time of prepar preparation. Jesus taught this in Matthew 24, 43 and 44 when He said, you know, the good master of the house, if he knew what time of the night that the thief, the thief was going to break through and steal, then he would stay up all night so that he would not break through and steal. And so then he says, so you also be ready because you don't know the hour in which the Son of Man will come. We must live a life of readiness. This life is meant to be a time of preparation for the Lord. And so I wanted to mention, first of all this morning, these realities of life, that life is a gift from God, time is a gift from God, that time is brief, that time is uncertain, time is irreplaceable, and time is meant to be a time, a sphere of preparation for eternity. What do we do with these realities? We pray. Turn with me and notice two prayers that we ought to be praying and then we'll move on. Psalm 39 verse 4 is a prayer. And please mark this in your Bible. Psalm 39 verse 4 is a good prayer to pray. Okay. Good prayer to pray. So Psalm 39 and verse 4. Notice what it says. Just a short little prayer here. Psalm 39 4. O Lord, make me to know my end. Make me to know what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Pray that. Lord, Lord, make me to know my end. Make me to know what is the measure of my days. And let me know how fleeting I am. And then this prayer here, Psalm 90. Psalm 90 and verse 12. is another prayer to pray. How do you get a hold of all of these realities of life one thing is to pray this is what the bible teaches us psalm 90 verse 12 here's the prayer so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom when's the last time you prayed that prayer lord teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom pray about that to the lord you know the, the more we follow god in his word then the more wisdom we'll have and the more that we'll see that we need to live according to these realities of time. Okay, so next let's notice just a few responsibilities with time. 
In other words, how do we respond to these bare facts? Some responsibilities. First of all, it is our responsibility to return to God. To return to God with the time that we have. It's our responsibility to return to God with the time uh, that we have. You know, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians uh, 3, 12 to 14, that we are to forget those things which are behind. We can't forget the sins that we have committed until we have come to God, Jesus' blood, and forgiveness. Okay. Hebrews 8 and verse 12 says that once God forgives us, He will remember our iniquities, our sins, no more. But we don't have that assurance until we have properly access the blood of Jesus as we have properly come to our Lord. And we must use the time to return to God. We read in Luke uh, 12, Jesus tells a story about a rich farmer who had big barns and, and he had looked to tomorrow and he was thinking about time. He was thinking a lot about time and about his life, but he wasn't thinking about his soul. And in the story, Luke 12, verse 20, that night, the very night, the very day that he was making all these plans about his future, that very night, his soul would be required of him. He would pass away. And now, whose things will all these be? What profit has, have, have these things been to you now that your soul is going to be required of you? In Acts 24 and 25, we read of Paul standing before uh, one of the officials in that day named Felix. And he reasoned with Felix okay, about faith in God, specifically about uh, righteousness and self-control and judgment to come. Notice that three-point sermon. Righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. And Felix responded and said, uh, in fact, it says there that he actually trembled a little bit, but then he said to Paul, he said, when I have a more convenient time, I will call for you. Well, those convenient times rarely ever come back up. And so we need to make good use of our time. You know, Ephesians 5, 16 says, we need to be redeeming the time for the days are evil. To redeem means to buy back. Okay, to buy back. As we've just seen, time is really irreplaceable. You can't really buy back time. So this is Paul's way of saying, make the most of what you have. Make the most of your time. And one way of doing that is to return to God. A second way to make good use of our time is to reach out and help other people return to God. Absolutely. Notice there in Ephesians 5 and 16, Paul says, make, mo make the most of your time for the days are evil. What makes the days evil? What makes those days evil? It is sin. It's the sin problem. Always and forever. The greatest problem in life and on earth, no matter what age you are, or where you're at, what you're doing, it is always going to be the sin problem. If you read all of Ephesians 5, you see that Paul is being thankful that whereas we were once, we were once darkness, but now we're the children of light. Okay? Now that we're the children of light, then we are to make the most of our time because other people are out here and they're in darkness. That's why he says the days are evil. Right there in Ephesians 5, 17, he says, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There are many out there around us, 
up and down our streets and all around us who are still in darkness. They, are, they do not understand what the will of the Lord is. So make good use of your time by reaching out to others and helping them to know how to be restored back uh, to God. Jesus once said, John 9 and verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night comes when no man can work. And so we make good use of our time. It's our responsibility to use our time to return to God and to reach out to others and also to remove those things in life which will waste our time. We're to use our time to make sure we're removing those things that will waste our time. For example, having, a, having pleasure-driven habits is a waste of time. Pleasure-driven habits are just a waste of time. Now, we understand we need rest, we, every, and we learn that more and more the longer we live. We need rest, but God doesn't want us to be, to be driven for pleasure like so many are. There's a warning about this in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, where, where Paul says, In the last days, many will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They'll be lovers of their own selves more than lovers of God. Jesus says in, in Luke 8 and 14 that the three big things that choke out the Word of God are the cares and the pleasures and the riches of life. We need rest, but we don't need to be, we don't need to be stir crazy about trying to find the next pleasure. And that's how a lot of people live. They live and they do to, in order to arrive to the next pleasure. Okay. I'm doing this so I can get to my next pleasure. I'm doing this so I can get to the next pleasure that focuses on what I want as pleasure. And that's that, the world that surrounds us. Okay? And it's driven. It's, it's, a, it's a madness uh, toward, toward that. People are almost have a dizzy type of pursuit uh, toward uh, their pleasure. The reason is that within all of us is a soul and within all of us is a thirst for something beyond us. There's a thirst within us for something beyond our lives. And many people try to fill that with pleasure. Instead of filling it with God, they try to fill it with... But it's a mirage. It's, it's, it, it's, it's seeking water and it all turns out to be just a clump of, of dried up sand. Because pleasure will not fulfill the, the eternal thirst that's within our souls. So that's... We've got to remove uh, pleasure-driven uh, habits. But also, we need to remove um, what I would call panic-driven worry. Panic-driven worry. I love the song. You know, we were singing a little bit ago, Build Your Hopes on Things Eternal. There's another song, that not there, that's, uh, that I think it's entitled, God Holds the Future in Our Hands. God is in the future. And that's, that's a basic part of our belief. That's a basic part of our faith. God is in the future. If we don't believe that, then we've got to start, go back and start over. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12, he says, I know whom I have believed. Notice this state of confidence here. 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. He says, I know him whom I have believed, and I am persuaded... 
that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. In other words, Paul's saying the Lord was going to keep his promises all the way down to judgment day and then beyond. And I am persuaded he's able to do it. And then that comes to us. Am I persuaded? Are you persuaded? Just like Paul was persuaded. And so we see some responsibilities. And then finally, this morning we will notice some limitations of time. This is not a a deep dive study of time, but just to give us an idea, maybe give us some food for thought. Okay, So starting with the realities and then responsibilities, now some of the limitations of time. One limitation, limitation of time is that the passing of time cannot remove sin. Okay. The passing of time does not remove a sin. So many live under the illusion that it does. Okay. But it simply does. No amount of time will remove a sin. Why do we live in that way? Why do we live in that way? Well, you see, with the passing of time, those intense guilty feelings become less and less intense with the passing of time. In other words, with the passing of time, we learn to live with our sins, and so do others, by the way. We learn to live with our sins in a more comfortable way. Well, how does that happen? Well, see, Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, that your conscience can be seared as with a hot iron. And so with the passing of time, sin becomes less intense and then less intense. And so with the passing of weeks and the passing of months, maybe even the passing of years and then a few good deeds spread here and a few good deeds spread there, then that sin, whatever it was, is no big deal. You know, a hundred years from now anyway, nobody's ever going to remember it, but wait a minute. A thousand years with God is as a one day, and a day is a thousand years. It doesn't work that way with God. In Psalm 25, verse 7, we read a prayer like this. Remember not the sins of my youth. Why would there be such a prayer? I mean, with the passing, if, the, if, if sin just kind of dissipates after the passing of years, why would that writer be concerned about the sins of of his youth, well, he understood that just the passing of time does not eliminate, does not remove sin. There's no, there's no magical, there's no salvation power behind the calendar. And so there is that limitation of time. And then a second limitation of time is simply that the passing of time does not alter the truth. The passing of time does not alter the truth. Basically, what we run into around us in the world is that people will, con will admit that back in Bible times that certain things were considered wrong, but now it's different, and we ask, why is it different now? Why is it different now? Why would homosexuality be, be different now? Why would the view toward uh, uh, unscriptural divorce be different now? And who would have made that different? God didn't make it. Uh, different. You know, our, as we were studying a few weeks ago, our, our plea to the world, our plea within ourselves 
is to return to the original pattern that was laid out through Jesus Christ in the New Testament. We go back to that. Time does not alter the truth. If it was wrong for women leadership in, in the first century, in the New Testament times, then it is, it is wrong now. And so those would be examples of limitations of time. The Bible speaks of time. If you're looking for a little devotion, devotional to do this afternoon in some free time, I would encourage you to read Psalm 91 through 12. Very powerful words there. But right now, let's stop and consider ourselves before God. One thing that helps us to do that is this pressing nature of time. It comes to all of us. It, make, it puts us all on the same level. No matter what it is that you are doing, no matter what it is you have planned, time and sin puts us all on the same level. So where are you? Where am I? Where are we at in our relationship to God? We mentioned how that time cannot remove sin, but the blood of Jesus can. And when we obey the gospel, we come in contact with that precious blood of our Lord. So freely shed on that cruel cross. Will you, these next few moments as we stand and sing, will you think more about your soul and the pressing nature of time more than you ever have before? Let's all get together now. Let's all stand. Let's sing this encouraging song.